You're listening to Own Your Stories on WIR 97.3 Richmond, a show that is all about exploring the nuances of the personal and the political. I'm the host slash producer of the show, Siona Petros. It's been a minute, like a hot minute. The last episode of Own Your Stories was in late spring. And in that episode, I explained that I was burnt out and in need of a hiatus. And we talk about mental health. And let me tell you, it was the best decision I've made in a long, 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 long time. I feel like I have ideas and creativity again. So if you're listening to this and thinking, maybe I should take a break. I'm here to tell you, yes, yes, you absolutely should. If you're able to take a break or a hiatus or whatever that is for you, do it. You don't need my permission per se, but sometimes external motivation helps. So I hope I can do that for you. Anyways, I'm really excited to be back. The theme of the season is still all about exploring home. And for the next few episodes, we're going to really dive into migration, diaspora, immigration. And that's why I'm really excited for you all to meet our guest today, Sadia Khan. Sadia is the founder, host, and producer of a podcast called Immigrantly. And Immigrantly is one of my regular listens. Like if you like owner stories, you're likely going to like Immigrantly. And it is about, you guessed it, immigration, among other things. I hope you all enjoy this conversation I have with Sadia. And if you don't already know about Immigrantly, maybe you'll want to listen to it after this. Hey, how are you? I'm so excited to have you on the show. I am so honored to be part of your podcast and to be on this show right now. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. So I'm going to have you introduce yourself. You know, all the things that you want us to know about you. So I'm Tazia Khan. I'm a Pakistani-American immigrant. I'm a human rights activist, um, intersectional feminist. Uh, I'm also a social entrepreneur. My pronouns are she, her. And Sadia is the founder, host, and producer of Immigrantly. That is spelled I-M-M-I-G-R-A-N-T-L-Y. And what is Immigrantly, you may ask? Well, I'll let Sadia tell you. It's a weekly podcast that deconstructs archaic stereotypes around what it means to be an immigrant, child of immigrants, and everything in between. I'm not going to lie to you, Sadia. I honestly don't know how I heard about Immigrantly the first time. I just know I found it. Knowing me, honestly, I probably was like looking through podcasts, trying to find something about immigration that was focused on the stories of immigration instead of the dehumanizing, dry policy perspectives we get way too often when it comes to conversations and coverage of immigration and migration at large. Um, so I don't know how I found immigrantly but I'm really glad that I did and I just remember thinking like these are actual stories and conversations about identity about politics on movement um and in many ways about home and that being said I really want to know what home means to you it is such an interesting question Siana because I was recently in Pakistan to visit my family and it was such a joyous occasion because I saw my parents almost after two years and while I was enjoying their company it was also a reflective journey for me because it just made me think about duality of my identity and what it really means to be an immigrant and what does home really mean and what I've come to realize is 
that the idea of home for me at least is no longer physical proximity of where I live. It's more of a mindset now. Home for me is where I can be wholly myself, right? I can accept all the different layers of who I am and be part of that selfhood and be unapologetic about who I am. So when I think about home, I think about Lahore, Pakistan, where I grew up, where I have roots in cultural and ethnic identities that I bring to the U.S. And then home is New York, because that's where I can be myself and I don't have to explain to anyone who I am anymore, right? So it's more of a mindset than physical space. And I'm sure it will evolve you know, in the future, it may be some other place where I feel comfortable. So that being said, with your experience between Pakistan, the U.S., your work within immigration and human rights, what does diaspora mean to you, Sadia? I have been thinking about this a lot, too. And for me, diaspora, when I think about diaspora, I think about myself, right? Um, I'm part of it. Mm -hmm. I'm part of the larger group of people with multi-hyphenated identities who are trying to make sense of it all, who are trying to reconstitute who they are, who are trying to navigate different cultures. But what's interesting is that at times I find the term itself as in some ways othering. And I don't know if Mm -hmm. that's something that I should be feeling, but I feel like we have these terms that put people right in different silos and boxes. And what does those terms indicate, right? So if I am part of diaspora, am I being othered? Am I not part of the greatest American society? Or is it the way narratives around diaspora are um, formed and communicated that I feel othered at times? So I have mixed feelings about the term, but when I think about it, I think about myself. I think about people who are navigating different cultures and different identities at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely understand how it could be othering. I guess even like the idea of diaspora, right? Like people who are separated from their homeland and are roaming elsewhere, like almost like connotes an immediate requirement of othering. But I also understand how you can see yourself in that too. It's complicated. It's complex. It's not a binary. So thank you for sharing that and making me think a little bit differently of, of diaspora, honestly. So on this concept of difficulty and othering, when you came to America, and I don't know if you were in another country before you came to America, Was there any specific moment where you felt overwhelmed at having to like adjust to a new place? Or was there a moment where it felt like, aha, like I can actually do this? Or is it also complex? You know, I I can't think of one moment. I think Mm -hmm. there are a number of moments where you feel othered by you know, either the media or narratives that you hear, you know, in political and social discourse in America. But at the same time, it's how you 
approach the idea of othering or otherness, mm-hmm. right? So for me, as an immigrant, I reconcile with the idea that I am an outsider and I'm an insider. I grew up in a different country. I That is pretty much part of my identity and who I am. But I've also learned to embrace America as home. And I have, re- my, I have in a way, reconstituted my identity within that space and that realm. So in terms of, I think initially when I came to the U.S., everything was strange. It was a strange land with strange people. I knew the language because I come from a country that was colonized. Uh, and that's why I speak the language of colonizers. I can speak that language fairly well. But there were other parts of me that were not able to connect initially. But then as I settled in my life, as I had my kids, the idea of home evolved and America became more of a familiar place and familiar sounds and people seemed more, you know, familiar. And I could connect with the culture and I could connect with nuances that America offers. Um, and I go back and forth on it. There are days when I feel like I'm fully immersed in this culture and this is wholly part of my identity. But then there are other days when I feel like I would always be part of me, will always be an outsider. And that is okay. It's okay to embrace those differences. And I am a firm believer in integrating into American culture rather than assimilating. I want to keep certain parts of my identity as my own and as part of something that I brought from Pakistan with me. Mm, The idea, okay, of integration rather than assimilation is so empowering, so empowering. Because I think especially in America, when you come to America specifically, it isn't just like, okay, come to America and adjust. It's like you are taught, at least in a very traditional sense, you're going to come to America, you're going to lose your language, you're not going to practice language at home, you're only going to speak English, right? America is a very monolinguistic country. Um, You have to shed everything. And there's obviously some pushback on that, but that is a very hard thing to push back against so this idea of integration like i'm going to reclaim my agency and take what i want and reject what i don't want is very empowering thank you it's not easy i have Mm -hmm. an accent and when i started the podcast i was not worried about it but i feel like there were other people my friends and others who were like you know you have an accent and do you think people will warm up to it and i was like Well, I hope so. If not, tough luck, right? This is who I am. This is what I bring to the equation. And I'm proud of who I am. I'm very glad that you decided to say, screw it. I'm still making this podcast I want. I don't care if I have an accent because it's who you are. You shouldn't be shamed for it. I really want to know for you as a parent, right? Because you have daughters. How has it been for you navigating the act of raising children in a country that you weren't raised in, even if you've become accustomed to it, while also trying to teach them about Pakistani culture and identity? Like, how do you balance it? Has it challenged your ideas of 
identity and migration and all that? To be honest, as a parent, I've struggled at times because I come from a culture which is pretty much collectivist. There is a lot of emphasis on family, familial ties, the idea of respect, disrespect. How do you talk to your elders? And the U.S. is pretty much an individualistic society where, you know, you are at the center of who you want to be and everybody else is at the periphery. And that's something that I've really struggled with even to this day. And if you ask my girls, they'll tell you that they are pretty much you know, sick and tired of this whole concept of respect and disrespect. And initially I was, you know, baffled by, you know, why cannot my daughters understand the simple concept of how to respect elders and how to talk to people a certain way and how to maintain those cultural values and identities. But what I've come to realize is that it is unfair to my kids who are born here, who are raised here, who are pretty much imbibing American culture and identity to fully accept my culture the way I accepted and I internalized it. And I am trying to find a happy medium where we draw on Pakistani culture and just, you know, mix them with good aspects of what American culture has to offer and just let them and their personalities grow organically. Man, I like, I applaud you and so many other parents who are not born in the country or at least not raised in the country that they are raising their own kids in just because it's hard I can imagine it's hard but I think your instinct to be like you know I can't expect my kids to just accept my the culture that you grew in within Pakistan the same way you did and letting it be figured out organically and looking at it like a combination of cultures, identities, and decisions. Um, It doesn't sound easy, but I definitely think that that's the right instinct. So now that I have a better idea of how you navigate migration and identity in your personal life, I really want to know, like, what made you want to create Immigrantly? It's not just like a podcast. It's a weekly podcast. And making weekly podcasts are very, very, very hard. Not easy task. So the answer to this may sound very cliched because I feel like a lot of people went through same emotions. This was post-2016 election. Um, (laughs) I feel like before that, my immigration, like my immigrant status, my immigration status, my identity as a Muslim woman of color was not as bigger of a deal for me. It wasn't part of my consciousness to the point where I felt like I was being othered. Yes, there were some instances of microaggressions. Being a Muslim woman, I was asked questions that were highly offensive, but I was just struck them off and I was like, you know what, this is okay. And I accepted them. But when 2016 election happened, I realized that in that instant, I was othered, despite the fact that I thought at the time we had made it, right? We had realized, quote, unquote, American dream, whatever that is, what I've come to realize now, that in itself is a myth. It was a watershed moment for me. And on top of that, 
I saw media presenting these one-dimensional reductive narratives around what it means to be an immigrant or a Muslim woman or a person of color. And I felt like there wasn't a space where we could have honest and raw conversations around racial identity, class, culture in America. And I was like, you know what? I should create a platform and try to build that. And that's how Immigrantly was created. So I heard you said we. Is there a team behind Immigrantly? Yes. So initially it was just me. And Mm -hmm. now I have a wonderful team of all women of color. I'm proud to say that. We bring our personalities to inquiry, whether Mm -hmm. we are tackling issue of race or culture, identity, class, politics, political and social discourse in America. Basically, our our lived experiences are part of those discussions. They are part of our narrative and true to who we are. We are not trying to present somebody else's narratives here. You know, listening to you talk about you and the other women working on Immigrantly and how it all came to be, it reminds me of like, what is that phrase? Like not working horizontally, right? Like working looking around you and being like, oh, like you have expertise in this. You have this lived experience. You have this lived experience. That's a source of expertise. How can we bring these different perspectives into understanding the complexity of a, of this thing, in which case this is immigration, right? This very big, diverse, complex, nuanced thing. To me, it kind of highlights the, the power of looking around you instead of just looking up and assuming that people who are above you have better understanding of the thing that you want to talk about, even when you had the lived experience of that, of that thing, right? And with that in mind, a major part of Immigrantly is deconstructing narratives around immigration. So like, what does that deconstruction look like for you? It's what I mentioned earlier as well, right? Um, bringing yourself, your lived experience to inquiry um, taking apart piece by piece stereotypes that exist and addressing them through storytelling, through Q&A that we have or narration style episodes that we have, right? And those are the kind of stories that are so important to have to create these multidimensional characters about people that have shared humanity. We all exist on a spectrum of vast humanity. We are all three-dimensional characters with different facets of our identity. But unfortunately in America, um, most of us, especially marginalized communities, minorities, people of color, are just reduced. And that is so offensive on so many levels. And that's what we are doing at Immigrantly. Yeah, getting back down to the basics of human experience and something so politicized and thus dehumanized is incredibly important, so important. As the show approaches nearly three years, I believe you told me it is going to be three years in November. I'm wondering if there's any like specific gratifying moment that sticks out to you um, I'm sure you've had many, but is there any that like really makes you pause and be like, wow, this is 
an impact immigrantly is having? I think the positive response of people who've reached out to us, especially second generation kids of immigrants, we are primary demographic is um people under 35 mostly second generation kids of immigrants who feel like they weren't hearing these stories right um they weren't being represented they still aren't being represented in the media or their stories are not being told in a more nuanced fashion as i said these stories are extremely reductive and I honestly blame Hollywood, mainstream media in the US, politicians for creating those narratives and propagating those stereotypes. So that that's been extremely rewarding for us because there are so many people that reach out to us and tell us about how they could connect to a particular story or a particular narration that we featured. I'm glad that like other children of immigrants and refugees and all the identities in between that and beyond that are finding this show. I think like we're just craving representation because yeah, Hollywood sucks. Like I also blame them. I am so sick, like truly sick of seeing the typecast in these shows of like a vague immigrant or child of immigrant in a movie that only lives to rebel against their parents' culture with this juvenile hatred for their entire identity, which is like always rooted in whiteness, like an obsession, an aspiration for whiteness, um, which might be coded by like wanting to be American or European. And it's like, I don't know anyone who has any sense who is like that. Like maybe when we're younger, we feel uncomfortable, but many of us like get over it. But the way you watch Hollywood, you're thinking "Mm -mm, all children of immigrants all people came here at a young age. They hate themselves so much, right? It's, I can go on a rant about it. It's very juvenile and I think very, very damaging. You know, it's so interesting you bring up this point because at the end of the day, it feeds into white savior narratives, right? So if a Muslim woman who is wearing hijab, a teenager, she just loathes her culture and she just wants to get rid of her job the minute she goes to college or she's away from her family um, and somehow she's saved by this white young boy this is the kind of narrative that feeds into that white savior white supremacy ideas of what the racial hierarchy is and who is civilized versus who isn't and those are the kinds of narratives that really, really um, offend me, to say the least. And those are the kinds of narratives that we are challenging. It is absolutely white saviorism. And it's wild how common it is in our pop culture and also reflected in our policy and politics. And speaking of things to learn and unlearn, what has working on this podcast taught you about immigration? I'm sure there's a lot, but again, is there anything that like sticks out? It's, an, it's a difficult question to answer because there are so many different facets to the idea of migration itself, as you mentioned, right? What's been an eye-opener for me is listening to different stories and just witnessing the diversity and the depth and breadth of those experiences, right? First of all, immigrant community in the U.S. or anywhere else in the world is not a monolith group. 
um, contrary to what people may think. They exist in different spaces. They have different ground realities that they deal with. But something that really surprised me was how in the U.S. some immigrant communities are insular and they live in their own silos and they exist in those spaces without having connected with people from similar backgrounds or other immigrant communities. And that's something that was an eye-opener because I thought that, you know, immigrants knew of each other. They, um, you know, existed yeah. in the same space, which is not true. Yeah, that is such a good point. Like, obviously, immigrants and the communities around immigrants um, were not one size fits all, but even like how you come to America, right, defines your experience here. If you come here as a refugee versus immigrant versus if you're undocumented versus if you come here as a student or a worker, um, there's so many aspects here that uh, play a factor in your actual experience. But also, because we're not a monolith and there's different cultures and America's a huge place, there are different silos happening. Uh, and I've never really thought about it through that lens. And my final question for you, Sadia, is what are some challenges you've had in creating Immigrantly? And what has motivated you to continue creating Immigrantly despite those challenges? In terms of challenges, I think being an indie podcaster, there are a lot of challenges that we face. Mm -hmm. we, uh, we don't have a network backing. We are producing content that is sometimes difficult to digest by some, right? We are challenging what have been the norm in the U.S. about people, identities, and do people warm up to it? Are these topics too dense for them to engage with? And that's been a challenge. But at the end of the day, Immigrantly was created out of my frustration. It's a passion project that has become a full-blown platform. And for us, honestly, we'll keep telling these stories and we'll keep challenging the stereotypes that exist because without that, I don't think I could see a better future for my kids in the U.S. Being two Muslim women of color, I think it's mostly for my girls and people like them that it is so important we continue telling these stories no matter how people respond to them. I'm just going to echo Sadia here and confirm the fact that, yeah, having an indie podcast can be really hard sometimes because those likes, the subscriptions can sometimes feel so hard to come by and that is what you need to sustain the work that you're doing. My suggestion to you, y'all, if you have an independent podcast that you love is see how you can financially support them, but always remember to like and share and subscribe. So that said, Immigrantly is on all, yes, all podcast platforms. You can check out more of their work at immigrantlypod.com. That is spelled I-M-M-I-G-R-A-N-T-L-Y-P-O-D dot com. I'll be back in two weeks with another episode about diaspora, identity, and home. You can also listen to Own Your Stories on all podcast platforms. And like I said, literally three seconds ago, 
Don't forget to share, subscribe, like, tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a homie. It is so incredibly helpful. So please do that if you can. You can also follow me on Instagram at ownyourstories. That is spelled O-W-N-Y-O-U-R-S-T-O-R-I-E-S. My name is Siona Petros and you're listening to Own Your Stories on WRIR 97.3. And I hope y'all have a wonderful weekend.